Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and a Royale with cheese, more like a Quentin Tarantino movie with cheese. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. If you see a tough guy on the streets, don't mess with his dog! God damn it! <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Finally, a movie that puts the boom in OK Boomer. <laughs> That's a generation before, but yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm going to make it work. I'm making it work. Those are, of course, are of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Sisu, which was out in theaters this past weekend. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok at thefilmcast. Find us on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at thefilmcastpod. Today, we got a lot of stuff for you folks. We got uh, some... Uh, minor film news some emails some community stuff followed by some what we've been watching we've been watching a ton of great stuff it's gonna be a really fun show and welcome back to uh the united states jeffrey coming out canada how are you doing thank man? you i was barely gone i was only gone long enough to not be on the podcast yes yeah, yeah. so that was his primary objective was to not <laughs> be on gotta the podcast. get away from evil dead basically i did it mm -hmm. did. Yes. yeah yes. it, it yeah. sounds to me like that was the wisest choice mm -hmm. i could have made I for you specifically, yeah, yes, for Jeff. you yeah. specifically, indeed, indeed. Well, we are so glad to have Jeff Kanata back on the podcast this week to talk about CC with us. Uh, but first, I wanted to mention a few things. Uh, you know, just a bunch of little random grab bag of topics that I wanted to make clear. Um, and you know, this is something I'm, I'm about to do and say something that Jeff Kanata, I know, is going to have huge problems with. Mm. Um, but. I'm going to press forward anyway, because this is literally the last opportunity I have to do this. <laughs> You've never stopped you before, Dave. Yeah, you know what this is going to be, Jeff. You know what this is going to be, which is, um, I'm just going to call it right now. I'm going to call it right now. Okay. Call it. Every single one of us put Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 as our number one film in the summer movie wager. Yes. I'm going to say right now, it will not be number one at the in the summer this week. I, I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. The Rotten Tomatoes reviews are out. It is at 77% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and for reasons I will get into during our review next week, I don't think it's going to be number one. I just wanted to say it for the record. Just want to say it for wow. the record, Jeff. I like how <laughs> you like you try to you try to be right even when you're wrong. That's but absolutely now you're just going right. to yes. be wrong even if you're right. You know what yes. I'm saying? <laughs> absolutely, hedging absolutely all correct. your bets. I'm yeah. hedging all my bets. But uh, you know, I've seen the movie. Uh, the ratings are out. I don't think it's going to be number one. And so I am recanting now. Obviously, I can't change my entries, so I will no. still lose. Uh, well, points, we all put like, Guardians at number that's one. Right, so. That's right. So yeah. I'm basically saying we're all dumb. That's, that's kind of what I'm trying to say. So Not the first anyway. time, not the last time. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I don't, separate bit of film ephemera, which is, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but uh, over the weekend, somebody uploaded two hit movies in their entirety to Twitter. You see, yeah. Elon the, Musk The has, mods are asleep. <laughs> there are no rules. Elon you know? Musk has, has made a number of changes since he took over Twitter six months ago. Number one is he made it possible for people to upload 60-minute long movies. I think that was already a Twitter blue, you know, Twitter blue might have been trending mm -hmm. in that direction anyway. Mm -hmm. And number two, uh, he fired around two-thirds of the company. So uh, community trust safety managers, uh, they don't exist anymore. People have been uploading uh, Avatar The Way of Water in its entirety to Twitter in four separate tweets. You could watch the entirety of Avatar The Way of Water. But the thing, Devinder, you pointed out that was really remarkable is somebody uploaded the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is not even available on home video yet. 
No, it's, it's I mean, listen, I, I lived in New York long enough. That movie is on the streets the night that movie premiered, but it, it is a pretty good rip of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. Just sitting there on Twitter. It was there for hours, like yeah. six to eight hours because Twitter, there's no law, nothing. I, I think something like 9 million people watched it on yeah. Twitter, which, I, you know, I think that's just like how many people autoplayed it. So it's not like they watched the whole thing all the way yeah, through, yeah. but that's still, you got to imagine hundreds of thousands of people Things are lawless. probably watched Super Mario Brothers movie mm-hmm. as it was intended on Twitter on their mobile device. I've right? seen people just point their TikTok phones at like a TV playing the rip of Mario Brothers as well. Mm. So like you know, <laughs> we are we are just in a fantasy land. It's of media cascading right now. outward. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I just, yeah, I, yeah, I never would have predicted how fast I would care so little about Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I genuinely don't give a mm. shit about. Twitter yeah, we're all moment. waiting for our blue sky invites now so, yeah i guess yeah. i guess i guess there's that's that the thing claim your like, name yeah there's a part of me that's just like i tip my hat to elon like kudos <laughs> sir if, you you broke me of my addiction mm-hmm. and i didn't <laughs> think it was possible but you did it so uh you know i gotta give thanks where thanks are, are due is you know you you broke it yeah you this broke was it really his me. plan all along to break us free of twitter yeah and, uh, you yeah. know what if that was his 4d chess then a checkmate sir I will tell you this, guys. I was able to snag a Blue Sky invite this weekend. Thank you uh, very much to the uh, Instagram follower who DM'd me about that. I want to say, <laughs> I don't remember what his name was. I'm trying to pull that up right now. Um, but I, I acknowledged him in my in my Instagram and want to say thank you for the, the Blue Sky invite. And it's very, um, it is like the Twitter of old. You know, it is like, uh, it's like in the early days. You know, when everything was exciting and things were growing. Todd is the guy's name. Thank you, Todd, for the invite. Um, and, uh, and and here's the thing, guys. I made a commitment. I said, hey, I'm not going to use Twitter anymore. I'm going to instead devote all my time to my newsletter at decodingeverything.com. Well, uh, that's basically what I've been doing. Anytime I wanted to reach for Twitter, I'd be like, you know, what? I'm going to write something in decodingeverything.com instead. That's what I've been doing, and it's been meaningful. I get on Blue Sky again. I feel the creativity draining from me. <laughs> this like, is a, to me, this is like, oh, man, I finally managed to wean myself off of that yeah. heroin. Yeah. Oh, I just got an invite to get an eight ball of Coke. <laughs> yes, I know. It's amazing. so amazing. It's exactly me. what it is like. It's like, you know, talking to my therapist and saying like, hey, so uh, I, I finally kicked my Twitter addiction. addiction. And he's like, oh, that's so great. Um well, now I'm on Blue Sky, which is exactly the same as Twitter in virtually every <laughs> single way, except you can't upload videos. This is you why know? I have not signed on to Mastodon. I have mm-hmm. not attempted to get a Blue Sky invite. I have. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to use this. Yes. As the thing I sh- it should be, which is go outside. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Jeff. Colorado really has changed you, man. The actual Blue Sky. Yeah. Dave, mm-hmm. that's what I'm using. Wow, that's I got what an you're invite actually, to the blue sky. That's what you're actually using. Okay, very <laughs> big good. sky country from, yeah. it, from Windows, mm-hmm. and, and I mean actual Windows. It's wow. very confusing. Wow, wow, nicely done, Jeff. Nicely done. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, Twitter, the place where you can watch hit blockbuster films. Uh, who yeah. knew? Who knew? Just uh, like James Cameron intended. Indeed, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the community stuff that's been happening. Uh, for the film cast there's been some wonderful things been going on recently uh somebody uh, a, a group of folks actually created a, a site called welldave.fun uh that allows you to guess uh fill in the blank for jeff's limericks and guess which movies they're for uh jeff in the time since we spoke about it last uh changes have been made to the site mm-hmm. 
that reflect your feedback. Uh, yes. That kind of summarize where the limericks came from and kind of acknowledge uh, the the bias, the Jeff Kanata bias in the limericks and uh, and give credit where credit is due. I think the site is really, just a really lovely and fun creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it um, is indeed. And I'm and, um, very grateful that, uh, that so much effort and work and, and care has been put in uh, on it. And it's amazing. It, it still irks me a bit that... Uh, it's called Well Dave. Yes, yes. You know, to that, be fair, that is a phrase that Jeff Kanata says. It's true. It, it's the know? greatest coup you ever pulled, Dave, that, uh, <laughs> that <laughs> somehow you get you get the name recognition. No, I'm mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And uh, a little inside tidbit, folks, the gears are in motion for a, a, a potential coffee table book. Woo! All right. Well, we'll Gears see. We'll see, how that, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how that plays out. But anyway, check it out at welldave.fun. There was something else that happened recently that was quite remarkable, guys. So over at the Slack Filmcast, which you can sign up for at slackfilmcast.com. For those who don't know, uh, a lot of Filmcast listeners gather together in the Slack group. Uh, and it's a really fun community. People have met, become friends, uh, had real-life meetups through it. It's awesome. And I posted... The following post in the Slack Filmcast 28 days ago. I said, quote, extremely random request, but does anyone here have this exact playset? And I posted a link to this thing called the Evenflow Exercaucer Activity Center uh, on Amazon, <laughs> which costs $135. Uh, you guys are familiar with activity centers, obviously, right? You put a, a baby in it. Sure, sure. It mm-hmm. has like all kinds of toys and other things that the baby can can play I wonder with. Why? And... Yeah. Why are you interested in this? Well, I I, I wrote a follow up. I said my nephew has fallen in love with a monkey that is in this set. Okay, the monkey was gifted to him by a friend, uh, but now he loves the monkey so much he can't ever be without it. So we're trying to acquire a twin monkey. So Backup the first monkey. one. The good, backup good monkey, good so call. the first yeah. one can be washed from time to time. Um, <laughs> so I thought, hey, can can anyone, uh, does anyone here know about the monkey? Now, I just want to say a few things about this monkey. You're um, trying to get like a black market monkey? Is that what you're trying to do? Absolutely correct. Now, here's the thing. It's this uh, stuffed monkey. It's very small. You know, he can, this is, my nephew can hold it in his hand, and he walks around with this thing in his mouth 80% of the time I'm with him, right? Like he, <laughs> he has this monkey, and he's basically putting the monkey in his mouth yes, yes. at all times. Uh, and sometimes he'll wipe, wipes it. it all over he, your TV. He, yeah. he'll, sometimes he'll offer it to you and want you to kiss it. And when you kiss it, it's very moist. Um, <laughs> Nothing like so, a moist monkey kiss. <laughs> it's a moist monkey kiss. And uh, so we wanted to see if we could acquire an extra version of this monkey without paying $135 for this set. Because we don't yeah, need the whole Yeah, because you love your set. nephew, but you don't love him that much. Well, it's not not even about that, Jeff. We, I'm, of course, I'm willing to spend $135 for my nephew, but it's like it's a waste of this yes. activity center, you know? So, yeah. Because uh, he already has activity center, so it's like doesn't make any sense. So I put the call out, and I'm going to just read a bunch of responses people had in the Slack. Okay, so Brad writes, have they tried reaching out to the manufacturer to see if they could purchase a replacement monkey? Uh, Subside writes, their official parts site doesn't have it listed, but certainly worth an email, I think. 
Brandon Tate writes, for the heck of it, I called their support just now, and they don't have it available. Dorgan writes, I checked eBay, but no one is selling that specific replacement monkey. <laughs> um, so I'll stop this, there. This is, is it... the power you wield, Dave. Wow, you have yeah, people yeah. wasting their time of their <laughs> uh, lives to call customer service. I, I'm just going to say, I, I never asked for that, right? Uh, but I'm extremely grateful that people sprang into uh-huh, action. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you put a request on this uh, platform you created. Don't, don't intend for you to. <laughs> To do the legwork, my minions. <laughs> literally, literally, uh, it's so gracious that everybody, but I literally it's great. did not. It's great. I just was, uh, my, what I was hoping is that, hey, check your child's toys and if they happen to have this playset. That's <laughs> mm-hmm, that's all mm-hmm. I was, the best case I was hoping for. The the best news is he will most likely grow out of that. So mm-hmm. Well, hold on. I, I, hold I would on. like present hold other toys. Story's yes. not over yet. Story's not yeah. over yet. So Eric writes in, my girlfriend found it on Taobao, but it's unfortunately out of stock. She's messaging the vendor to see if they might restock. This is just for the monkey, not the whole set. It's normally uh, thirty. It's normally four dollars and fifty cents before shipping. Um, and then a day later, Eric writes back. The vendor got back to us, and according to them, they should be restocking the monkey later this week. I'm not sure how easy or difficult it is to ship from Taobao to the U.S., but if you're interested, here's the product link to keep an eye on when they have a stock when they have it in stock again. Uh, anyway, long story short, this vendor uh, is sells like just the monkey. Like the, the, Eric lives in Hong Kong. There's this Chinese vendor that sells just the monkey. Okay, that's theoretically like you know their vendor that's selling the monkey for some other <laughs> website. Well, they will like assemble the playset that then sells it to the U.S. Right? They're literally a monkey business. They have monkey business. Yes, they got monkey business. So, so bottom line, Eric acquired two of the monkeys, uh, sent them to my brother who has then since replaced the original monkey. Wow. And it went in the dead of well. night. In, well, in the dead of was, night. Well, yeah, it was like the, that yeah. scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. We just yes. goes up to the kid. With <laughs> absolutely. The... Absolutely. Pull it out of his mouth, slowly switch. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, they took, they took video. I'm not going to share it, but they took video of this moment when like they, they introduced the new monkey to the, ju- and it's like different. It's less wet, obviously. <laughs> it's less like run down. That didn't last long though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the new, the nephew has taken to the new monkey really lovingly. And it just is, it's just an amazing thing that like, Hey, uh, huge thanks to Eric. Huge thanks to everyone who put in any legwork is not at all what I expected, but Hey, like my nephew is able to get this like replacement monkey, um, from around the world, from this place that where they don't even, you know, sell the Uh monkey separately in the U S and, uh, I just want to give a huge shout out to the the film cast community. Y'all are awesome. And, uh, that's that's pretty pretty happy. You know, you could have been a great uncle. You just bought that other activity center, so your nephew has a place to play when he visits you. That'd be nice. He already but has an activity really nice. center, you know. And I, not at your I house. He's, he's, you he's kind of too big for this one. He's kind of too yeah, big yeah. For they grow, they grow. Yeah, they, yeah. Well, so I see this thing online is a very cute monkey. Um, you know, this could introduce other animals that could be replaced more easily. I would recommend the Squishmallows. They're very nice. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's the thing. Is like, is you know, my my my. Uh, uh, brother and his wife are, you know, they throw a bunch of toys at this guy, metaphorically. They're not throwing them, actually. And uh, you you don't know which ones he's going to bond with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're like, hey, here's a thing that you can buy at the local corner store. He doesn't give a crap. Yeah. Here is a nani that, or he calls it nani. Here's a monkey that you need to ship from around the world. Oh, this is the thing that he can't go anywhere without. He has, he has yeah. exquisite yeah. taste. Yeah. Indeed. Refined literally, taste. Literally. Literally. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, a uh, big thanks to everyone over at the Filmcast Slack group. Y'all are awesome. And yeah, check out welldave.fun for more Filmcast community shenanigans. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor. We'll be right back with more uh, 
right after this. Okay, folks, uh, I wanted to read a couple emails we got to slash filmcast at gmail.com reacting to our episode last week. Now, Jeff Kanata, last week you missed a conversation about a couple things. Netflix stopping their DVD business. Yeah. As well as I also talked a little bit about The Covenant. I think I I emailed or I texted you guys when I I found out about that Netflix uh, situation. It it really brought back memories Mm -hmm. because when we started the Totally Rad Show in 2007, one of our first advertisers, we I think we started yeah, with, uh, with Squarespace and with Netflix, and our net all of our Netflix advertisements were about how great it was that you could just get movie rentals in the mail. They'll send you the disc, you send it right back. It's so easy. That was the entire message. There was no other aspect of Netflix. It was just hey, get on board with this notion of not having to go to a video store, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a wild thing that. That has finally come to a full, full stop. Indeed. Uh, well, Stuart from Chicago writes in, quote, uh, thanks for highlighting the demise of Netflix's DVD by mail program on your last episode. I'm one of the last dinosaurs who still obsesses over what's in my queue and thrills to the appearance of a red envelope in the mail. I could tell the end was near as fewer and fewer new releases were being offered. Netflix's mail DVD service was an underappreciated resource, offering access to hundreds of titles that were either obscure or unavailable to stream or both. The very first title I rented was Spirits of the Dead, an omnibus arthouse film from 1968. At that time, a film I had heard about only because Netflix existed. Now I see it can be seen on the Criterion channel. That was August of 2000. I've had a longer and fonder relationship with Netflix's disc service more than with any brick-and-mortar video store. Other beloved films I discovered on Netflix were Picnic at Hanging Rock, The Young Girls of Rushfor, and some of the more obscure, hard-to-find features by filmmakers like Sam Peckinpah. I'm sad that the service will end before I get the chance to see Monty Hellman's Tulane Blacktop, the Dutch film Malpertuis, with an appearance by Orson Welles from 1971, The Notorious Roar with Tippi Hedren, and a bunch of Untamed Lions, or other rarities that are nowhere available online I can find. Netflix provided more of a service to the cinephile than it knew, but I get that there are fewer and fewer people like me who care about physical media uh, in the world. Thanks for steering the bereaved to the resources available at their local libraries. And I wanted to point out that the online services Canopy and Hoopla are also available to those of the library card and have yes. an excellent and diverse selection of some of those lesser known uh, titles that Netflix's disc customers have relentlessly sought out, including titles not available on disc. Ask your librarian if they offer either of these services. And if not, ask them to offer one for library, library patrons. Keep up the good work, Stuart from Chicago. I would, I would also shout out uh, Mubi, the movie service, mm-hmm, and also yeah. Criterion Channel. Like, have yeah. a lot of things, you know, that you can't easily get elsewhere. So Agreed. I have a out. subscription to Criterion Channel. I'm a big yep. fan, so yeah. Has there uh, been any reporting about how Netflix is disposing of those hundreds of thousands of discs that they have? It's a big question. A lot, yep. of, a lot of questions around that. No, uh, There has been no story about what is going to happen. Are they going to bury them in a in a landfill, Atari style? Are they going to sell them to a competitor? It's unclear right now. So anyway, uh, thanks for that, Stuart. And yeah, there's it, it, it's we're, we're going to lose a resource that we don't fully appreciate right now is, mm-hmm. is really what's happening. It would there, be funny so. if Netflix just sets up a storefront just to sell those used discs. You know, because they they were planning on spinning off the company pretty much a decade ago to do the DVDs. So just, you know, make some money. You got to make some money, Netflix. That would be amazing. Ian from DC writes to slash filmcast at gmail.com. Enjoying the podcast as usual. I heard David's thoughts on the covenant. I wanted to share uh, something. If the story of the Afghan partners and translators piqued your interest, 
uh, in more of that story. A year ago, I produced a series with my audio company called Allies. Uh, it's about the U.S. withdrawal, but told specifically through the story of the SIV program and the Afghans and veterans who are fighting behind the scenes to get these partners out. We gave interviews and connected individuals working on the Covenant. And some of the stories and details in the film st stem from the SIV applicants who have bravely come forward. Just wanted to share this in case you wanted to listen to a non-fictionalized version of the story through another lens with slightly less military propaganda. Uh, anyway, it's called Allies. It's a uh, looks like a podcast by Lawfare and Goat Rodeo, and you can check it out. Uh, yeah, so that's from Ian, writing into SlashFilmCast.gmail.com. I think it is an important story uh, that the Covenant is telling, and that's why I wanted to uh, shout out Ian's email here uh, on the podcast. So anyway, uh, thank you so much for the emails at SlashFilmCast.gmail.com. Um, all right, so let's get to what we've been watching, folks. And Jeff, last week we did a thing where we took turns with what we've been watching. Let's try that this week, if that's cool with you. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Uh, I think that we should have been doing that for the from the start. Mm -hmm. Well, it, <laughs> it only works when we've all been watching approximately the same number of things, you know. Because then, no, that's not not necessarily yeah. true. You can rotate and then have a remainder. That's yeah, all fine. right, fair enough. Uh, all right, well, let's get into it. Uh, I will start by saying I watched the movie Suzume this week in theaters. And this you is saw the... Sisu and Suzume in the same week. Wow, <laughs> I did indeed. Uh, this is the newest film by Makoto Shinkai, who did Your Name, Weathering with You, uh, and I think this movie is great. I would highly recommend it. I, it's a movie about a girl who uh, gets. You know, I tried to describe this movie to my wife, like the, the, what the plot of this movie is, and I sounded like a uh, like I was off my medication. It's very Didn't she fell in love with a chair or something. It's a very fantastical yeah. movie with a lot of weird plot developments. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's a weird movie. Uh, it, it's similar to Your Name in that it's kind of about uh, a guy and a girl uh, being brought together by weird circumstances and kind of developing. Uh, feelings for each other that's kind of the the, the yeah. crux of both your he name has a shtick right now yeah, i of, like his movies but yeah but different i think you would love this movie because uh a cat you know you love anime obviously there's a cat mm -hmm. who plays a huge role in the film love it love and it. i know I think this is loves the last cats. week to uh to see it in theater so i'm gonna give it a shot yeah. you should you should go check it out if you can um i mean the plot is really ridiculous and some things feel like they weren't so, some developments weren't really earned even though and weren't really built up to, in my opinion. But uh, at the end of the day, I did find this to be a very moving meditation on grief and on loss. Uh, that's one of the things you know the main character is dealing with loss in her life, a family member that she's lost in her life, and and kind of needs to confront those feelings uh, during the course of the adventure she's taking in this movie, and all that stuff. I think is very very powerful and very well done. So overall, I think this is a very enjoyable film. Um, and I would recommend you check out Suzume in theaters right now. You know, uh, I, I realized recently that with Suzume, I think this is the fifth movie, uh, and maybe six if, if we count Sisu, uh, where I've seen it in the theater and enjoyed it. You know, like wow. in a row this year, this in a year? row, in, oh, in yeah, a row, yeah. in a row, like since pre-COVID. It's pre -COVID. been a good year, yeah. Since pre-COVID, I can't remember having like three, four, five movies, watching them in theaters and enjoying them mm -hmm. uh, in a row uh, since since uh, COVID began. And so it's, yeah, it's it's finally like a, a good time. The movies really feel like they're back. So Susan May is one thing I've been watching. Devinder Hardor, what's one thing you've been watching? Oh, I've been checking out the new Apple TV Plus series Silo, 
which is an adaptation of the Hugh Howey uh, book series. Uh, you Wolf. watched Sisu and Silo in the same week? I did. I did. <laughs> and I danced to Phil Collins' Susu Studio. You know, like I, I did all those things. Wow. Um, yeah, this, <laughs> this show, I don't know why it's called Silo, because I, I think they renamed these books as the Silo series, but Wool was the, the way I originally learned about Hiwa Howie's uh, ser- series. And uh, it's about an underground community they live in like a bunker thousands of people they live in the bunker they cannot leave the bunker there are a lot of rules to their society it seems like a very very standard um sci-fi uh, you know kind of dystopian story and i never really got into the books my wife really liked them i'm really digging the show though and i think you guys will too specifically um because it is um being showrun by graham yost who used to do justified yeah and it has that it just has some great texture to it. So this is, you know, we're basically all in a bunker. We're all underground in like gray concrete. Um, and the world looks really interesting. It doesn't like it is starting out in a really interesting way, too. I won't spoil too much, but this series stars. Um, it stars a, a whole bunch of it stars. Rebecca Ferguson. She's like the big face you see on the posters and everything. She's in all the marketing. She is. She's in the first episode for like 30 seconds. The first episode is an introduction to this world um, centering on David Oyelowo, who plays uh, the police chief, and uh, and his wife, played by Rashida Jones. And it's this very like intimate story about their relationship, um, being introduced to this world. They're trying to have a kid and all the rules involved with that. And as with any sci-fi story where there are a lot of rules... We got to start breaking those rules. We got to see like, what are, what are, why are we down here? You know, why can't we go outside? And that first episode kind of covers a lot of that while also just giving you a good sense of this community. And I think it's really well written. I think it's incredibly well acted and well directed too. Like this is just like, it is sci-fi that takes its time to establish its sense of place and who the people are and why the rules exist. And it commits to everything. You know, I think when I read about this stuff, um, sometimes these books do not feel as lived in or as like, I don't know, as serious as they can be. I feel like this show fully commits to this world and the rules of the world and everything. So I think it's very good. This is very good science fiction television. Um, it's just a really, you know, fascinating show to watch. Um, I've seen the first few episodes. It's going to be premiering later this week on Apple TV plus that silo. It kicks butt. All right, I'm looking forward to checking this one out, and uh, I've heard great things. So, Silo on Apple Apple TV Plus. Jeff Canada, what have you been watching this week? Well, I checked out the new um, Amazon yeah. original Speaking series. Speaking of really well directed, well done shows, Citadel, right, Jeff? Citadel, <laughs> Citadel. The Russo brothers are back. Yeah, the yeah. Russo brothers are back, baby. Bringing with, us with the spy shit. Br- bringing us the the stuff we loved in Cherry and uh, and the uh, Gray Man, right? Like that's, Gray Man. That's yeah. well, I don't know. How are the Russo brothers? They're just producers on this. What are they? How are they involved? Yeah, I think they're. Did they do they the first episode? Largely responsible for Citadel, if I'm not wrong. Well, they're not they're listed as creators on mm-hmm. the IMDb page. They didn't direct the first episode. Uh, they are so, they are executive producers. Executive producers. Yeah. yeah. Well, that. That makes sense. Uh, I don't think that, it doesn't feel like they had their hands on this too much, other than uh, getting a an enormous budget approved. Yes, it looks uh, very expensive. For yeah. yes. uh, the best thing I can say about the show, I've watched the first two episodes. Uh, the best thing I can say about this show is that it is expensive. Um, <laughs> it is very, very pretty. Uh, it does not look like television. 
uh, in the same way that Rings of Power did not look like television. Uh, this looks like you're watching a very expensive feature film uh, and, you know, in 42-minute episodes, which is, it's a pretty remarkable thing because there's no part of this that feels like television. It does not feel episodic. It feels like, you know, a James Bond movie. Uh, if James Bond movies were always terrible. Um, <laughs> there's some only sometimes terrible. Um, well, yeah, there the was, did, did you guys see there was a there was an Instagram video with Richard Madden and uh, Mr. Stanley Tucci just just drinking some martinis together and giggling to each other. And everyone's like, are, are you Bond? Are you actually mm -hmm. going to be Bond, Richard Madden? I don't know. But go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Well, I think the show very much wants to be Bond and right. the Bourne identity at the same time you know it it is a show where uh people lose their memory they were super spies and they lose their <laughs> memories and then they have a normal life and their life is plucked from yeah. them uh they also look like the the most beautiful people on earth apparently so yeah. yes i mean it, it you know you said it's richard madden it's priyanka chopra jonas uh who's uh quite beautiful um and uh, stanley tucci who like also beautiful also beautiful, but all, yeah, I, I mean, yes, mm, but also yeah. I kind of feel like knows he's in a terrible show. I, you, you kind of feel like he knows, you know, um, the show is bad. Um, it, it is beautiful. It is expensive. It looks, it looks just stunning, uh, on, on the big screen at my home. Um, but I can't recommend this to folks unless you really, really are itching for some, some schlocky spy action. Uh, be because, I mean, speaking of action, the action I do not think is well shot. Uh, it is uh, it is all done in uber close-ups, quick cuts. You don't, it's very hard to maintain what is even happening half the time with the action sequences, at least in the first two episodes. Uh, nobody talks like a real human. Um, there is literally a scene at the end of the first episode where Stanley Tucci reconnects with uh, Richard Madden's character who has who has lost his memory. And he's like, he brings them into his, you know, super spy office with all the, you know, every super spy has to have a, a bunch of uh, computer monitors all stacked on, on each other. You know, you can't just have one computer monitor if you're a super spy. You got to have like six of them all stacked. And he's like, let me tell you what happened to you. And then it, he literally gives him a PowerPoint <laughs> presentation about all of the things that this crazy super spy organization called Citadel has been involved with over the years. And he says, Everything good that's happened over the past 30 years has been because of us. And it's like, I couldn't help but think, oh, Stanley Tucci was in, you know, Final Cut, like just cutting together this <laughs> sick presentation he was going to do, you know, because it's got editing and it's got, you know, f stock photos with eyes crossed out, you know, mm -hmm, you know, people's mm -hmm. eyes crossed out to maintain their anonymity and but then it like it flashes on all the things he says over the last 50 years, everything good that's happened in the world, we've had a hand in. And it flashes a couple of things. And one of them it flashes is a newspaper headline that says, Y2K crisis averted. <laughs> this is Stanley Tucci in Transformers. Wow. It sounds like Jeff, right? Yeah. Like yeah. just silly. He, he like knows he's just it's like garbage. Cash in yeah. the paycheck, baby. Yeah. 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 Cash yeah. in the paycheck. He, I mean, I have very little, very little positive to say about the show. I, I endured two episodes. Uh, the beginning of the second episode is kind of cool uh, because we, you know, we focus on uh, Priyanka Chopra Jones's character, um, Priyanka, excuse me. Um, but um, 
uh, it's only briefly and not enough. And it is, it, I mean, this, the show is as, you know, as, as schlocky as, as sort of predictable. And, uh, I mean, it's not even predictable. It's just like every single element is mm-hmm. cut and paste from something else. It just the, feels the trailer vi- for this is like Bourne meets Alias meets Bond with a bigger budget. Apparently. Yes. So. I yeah. mean, it's, it is, it is all those things. There's nothing, there's no identity to it. It, it really is. Mm. No born identity. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. And it's a shame because of the amount of money spent and how, how beautiful it looks. I mean, it really does look like a, you know, $200 million movie uh, because it's a Amazon sure is good at wasting money on these things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love the, fa- I truly love the fact that Amazon is stepping up to the plate and elevating television into a, a cinematic place that is, you know, very high level and, and, and elite. But I wish they chose, uh, in this case, I wish they chose better source material. If only it was good. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. In my opinion, I've only watched the first two episodes. Maybe it gets amazing later. Uh, there are more episodes coming, but uh, I'm out. I'm out. It's not, it's just uh, pretty, pretty drab and uninteresting. None of the characters I, I care about whatsoever. It, it, you know, it, it's just, the action isn't great. The, it's all over the world and it's, you know, it's big, bombastic, everything, but just, nothing that caught my attention at all all right that's citadel on prime video uh let's talk about something i've been watching speaking of prime video here's something that's actually good dead ringers oh yeah this is the new series that's based off of the david cronenberg 1988 film and it starts rachel weiss playing a double role uh she plays twins sold who yes. are both uh, responsible for like OBGYN, you know, uh, they help with uh, birth. And uh, I've seen the first two episodes and I think this show is really, really well done. It's really well acted. Um, I'm just amazed at it from a technical perspective where mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at no, po- like the very first shot, one of the very first shots of Rachel Weisz, uh and her sister, the the character Beverly and Elliot, they're the characters that she plays. They're walking down the street side by side. And at one point the conversation stops and one of the sisters turns to the other and like kind of gives her a hug and takes takes her sunglasses out of her hands and puts them on her face. It's a very subtle moment. It all happens in one long continuous shot. Uh, and it's just a beautiful, sublime moment of just showing you, hey, these are two people. You're not going to question ever that it's two people during the course of the show. Uh, it's two mm-hmm. people, even though it's one actress playing them. This is no Jackie um, Chan's twin dragon situation. No, it is not. If, I remember that ways, movie. In yeah. many ways, yeah. Um, now, I have not seen the David Cronenberg film, and so uh, I'm planning to watch that one uh, after I finish watching the show and kind of compare them. But so far, our first two episodes, big fan. I think uh, Sean Durkin, right, is the uh, director. Yeah. Uh, he's made a lot of, dark upsetting movies in the past between him and rachel weiss uh doing the show like i'm very intrigued but i watched the trailer and my wife was like no thanks no thank you pregnancy horror type show yeah it does have there's actually a warning yeah like they give you a content warning of like this is very realistic graphic depictions of warning yeah Yeah. um it's uh it's upsetting it's it's really upsetting in a lot of ways but uh i'm curious where it's all going uh but i've seen the first two episodes and so far it uh, is worth my time at least uh, so mm-hmm. far, and we'll see. Uh, you know, when I get to the end, I, I might have more to say about it. So uh, that's Dead Ringers, and it's available on Prime Video. Divin your hard art. Hit us up with something else you've been watching. Oh, I just want to say I'm watching The Big Door Prize, which I know you talked about, Jeff. I and, love that show. Uh, 
have to reiterate, yeah, it's very, very good. Um, very Twilight Zone-y in terms of its uh, execution. And honestly, I'm I'm somebody who I first saw Chris O'Dowd on the IT crowd, you know, as like a schlubby IT worker guy. And my, how has my boy grown? Like he is just <laughs> everywhere. He's been in some good shows too. Like I, I, I talked about Get Shorty and that was a great show that not many people saw, but he is doing great work here too as a 40 something guy who's sort of like, yep, there is this mysterious machine. It is showing off people's potentials and he's watching as like, people's lives are upended as they get this idea. This machine is telling them, oh, you, you could be, you could be a biker. You could be so many other things. Um, it's a fascinating show. I would also say it's a, it's a very sad show. It's very sad and it's very humane in terms of what it's doing. It's, I would say more of a dramedy than a comedy because it is, it's also like centered on like the, there was a big, somebody important died. You know, somebody important to a lot of these characters has died. Everyone's dealing with a sense of loss. Everybody is like a, a little just dissatisfied with their lives. And I, I just find it really, really fascinating. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe once we all see it, we can, we can have a deeper conversation about this thing. Yeah. I, I think it deserves it, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really well done, really well written. I like pretty much everybody here. Um, it is one of those shows where it's like, you're in a small town. Every, it's full of a bunch of fun characters and you get to see how they all interact. And by episode three or four, you kind of get who these characters are. And I think it's just really, really fascinating. Um, I just, yeah, that, that's all. That's all. I, th- I think we have to watch all of it and then we could talk about it. I have to say, I don't, the premise I could see being a really fascinating way to show people like, you know, see how they change their lives, see how they think about themselves. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but I hope it like dives a little deeper. Because the, the whole point of this machine, right, is that it's showing you your potential. It doesn't say, like, this is what you must do. This is not a future predictor. It is you have the capacity to do this thing. And it's fascinating to see how people respond to it. Um, but, you know, I have questions myself. Like, if, if I encountered this thing, I don't know if I'd react in the same way. But it is a really interesting way of seeing how people's insecurities and dissatisfaction about their lives is kind of, like, highlighted. And I just think it's a lot of fun. So check out the Big Door Prize. It's on Apple TV Plus. Yeah, my favorite thing about it is is how a lot of the you know quote unquote potentials that people get mm-hmm. are these words that can be taken yes. different ways. Yeah, and I think that's such a fascinating take. Is you know like you know one character gets the word superstar. It's like, well, what does that mean exactly? You know, it's like it, it really puts the, the the characters in interesting positions because oftentimes they'll get something and they don't know what it means exactly yeah. for them. Yeah. And so you have to, it, it's, it's a deeper layer than just, you could, you know, you could be a uh, whatever, you could be a, a school teacher or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. something that is a little more enigmatic and a little harder to define. And, and I think the show excels there. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, that's one other thing Devinger has been watching. Jeff, hit us up with something you've been watching. Well, as we mentioned, I was I was gone last week because I was traveling to uh, Europe. I went to to England and a uh, very, very quick trip, very quick turnaround. I flew in one day, was there uh, another day, and then left the, the following. So three-day turnaround, nine and a half hour flights each way, which meant uh, I spent a lot of time on a plane, boys. And uh, I, I mostly read my book uh, on my Kindle. Um, that's most of what I did on the plane, but you know, pretty cool on those international flights. They actually give you food, which is such a unique experience oh, these yeah. days. Yeah. Uh, most of the time I'm like flying Southwest and, and, you know, I get, I'm lucky to get some pretzels, but 
getting an actual meal, I, I, I pop up the old, the old personal viewing device on the plane. And uh, as much as I prepare, the, there is nothing, there's no <laughs> grander lie to myself than the the things that I will do on a plane. You know? Absolutely. I, I download like 30 yeah. shows. I'm like, I'm going to catch up on all of these. And I literally watch one of them at most. Yes. The, you know? the planning of going, oh my gosh, I got yeah. two plane flights, nine and a half yeah. hours each way. I'm going to bring my book. I'll yeah. bring my iPad with shows on it. I'm yep. going to, maybe I'll write. Maybe I'll, you know, oh man, I just, there'll be so many things. I'll listen to an audio book. I'll, you know, there's podcasts to catch. Yeah. No. It is kind of a vacation too, right? Jeff? He's like, no kids, Yo, no yeah. distractions, just. Just, mm, just me just alone time. Oh yeah. It's yeah. a delight to be on a plane for nine, <laughs> trapped on an airplane for nine and a half hours by myself. Um, so anyway, all of that preparation, all that planning, all the shows uh, loaded on the iPad. Uh, but uh, the, I, I happened to be sitting in a, a row that didn't have a seat in front of it. It was like the, you know, the front thing with, with no seat in front of it. Oh, so I had to brutal. put my, yeah, I had to put my carry on up in the, you know, up in the yeah. actual luggage oh, container. Man. Yeah. Uh, you get, you so, get a ton of leg room at least. So yeah. 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 No, very nice. I, I, no complaints, but it meant that when the food came and I was like, I want to watch something, I'm going to stop reading and watch something. I just uh, turned on the, uh, the little, you know, in flight entertainment options. And so I found myself watching some stuff that I would never have anticipated. And I want to relate that mm -hmm. experience to you fellas. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because I started browsing through the, uh, the television shows. I'm like, you know, I'm in the mood for like something light, half an hour, comedy, maybe. Let's, uh, let's just see what's on here. And, you know, they have a lot of stuff from a lot of different eras on, on the in-flight entertainment, at least on my Lufthansa flight. And uh, I found myself, uh, mostly because it was very early in the alphabetical listings, <laughs> I found myself uh, tuning into uh, 30 Rock. Yeah. Which uh -huh. I have you not watched. You just had like no effort, Jeff. You were just like first, first row of well, things to yeah, watch. The food, the food comes fast. You got to get <laughs> things set up. You just like let's mm -hmm. just get this going. I want to, I want to eat my, my chicken parm. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't watch Aardvark Adventures. Instead. No, Thirty yeah. Rock comes before that, Dave. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm here to tell you, boys. Thirty Rock holds up. Mm -hmm. Pretty good show. Yeah. So good. So good. I was like, ah. I was watching episodes that I only vaguely remembered and laughing my patoot off. Uh, and it's funny to see some references. You know, there's there's some uh, very funny references to current events that, uh, that you know, are no longer current. <laughs> but man, that show is so well written. I just don't know of anything else that's exactly like that now. You know, no. there's... there's I, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. No, you go ahead. Well, just in terms of joke density. Exactly. Uh, and, and in terms of like legendary jokes. Yes. That will stand the test of time. Uh, yes, 30 Rock has had issues, you know, and has been kind of problematic at times, but like I sure. can't argue with the results. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite jokes is uh, Tracy Jordan saying, I finally figured out what the ending of The Sixth Sense means. Those were all the names of people that worked on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so those one-off I mean, jokes that really so made just an amazing, yeah. yes. amazing joke. You know, I want to go back. Somebody posted like a sequence from the Paul Rubens episode. Was like that was one of the ones I, I watched. Watch yeah, oh, it's nice. so good. So yeah. good. Yeah. Well, he... <laughs> so Jeff, did you just watch Thirty Rock, or did you watch? No. So I, I watched three episodes of Thirty Rock. I was like, yes. I, I started watching that. I was like, I'll just check out one of these. I was like, Oh, I'm watching all the episodes of Thirty Rock they have on this plane. <laughs> uh 
uh-huh. which was three, uh-huh. and they were great. Um, there was it was it was the Paul Rubens one. It was the um, the uh, Carrie Fisher one where mm. she becomes mm-hmm. um, um, Tina Fey's mentor for a, a brief moment, and uh, and it was the uh, the one where they're going to have a page off where um, our friend friend of the show. Um, it's been on for our Transformers reviews. Uh, he guest starred. What's his name? DC Pearson. No, not DC Pearson. Uh, he was on our on when we reviewed Transformers. Paul Shear. Paul Shear. Thank you. Paul Shear. Yeah, yeah, Paul, Paul, Shear. Paul Shear. Written by uh, Donald Glover at that episode, or oh, at least that so part funny. of it. He's so, yeah. so funny. Anyway, I also watched the Larry Sanders show, <laughs> wow, which which man. is on All the, hits. the in flight entertainment. Uh, Why do they even have that there? I don't know, but man, I mean, I loved loved that show back in the it's day. Good. Yeah, and ahead of its time, extremely, extremely. Um, and it's funny because they're both of a kind, right? Uh, Thirty Rock and Larry Sanders show are both shows about making popular late night shows. Anyway, um, you, you didn't chase that with some Studio Sixty, Jeff. <laughs> if, I would have if they'd had it. Oh, I would have. Really, wow. really ending that wow. whole that whole genre of the, like nothing could beat Studio Sixty, right? On the Sunset Strip. Um, but uh, the experience of watching Larry Sanders show after having not watched it in decades uh, was extraordinary. I mean, it, it it is it is both way ahead of its time and also of its time. I mean, th- he lets there be these big dead air moments. It is. I was shocked at how slow it was. I mean, maybe that's in in relation to 30 Rock. Everything is slow, right? That show is just, as you said, very dense and very fast mm-hmm. and the jokes come at a wild pace. But uh, the, I mean, the, the show, there are these awkward moments where it just kind of sits there and there's no, he'll just, he'll, you know, he'll say something to to Hank and Hank will mess it up and he'll just sit there in dead air and it's wild. And, you know, he's, Larry Sanders show is about a guy doing a tonight show style late night talk show. And <laughs> there, there was a couple episodes where they, you know, he does a monologue, like part of the show is watching his monologue. And clearly the show was coming out in like 91, 92, whatever. And, and he's talking about Ross Perot and Bill Clinton. And it's just oh, what Ross Perot just dropped out of the race again. It's like, what a wild trip down memory lane it was. And, uh, you know, Gene Garofalo's in the show. All these actors that go on to do uh, many, many more things are are in this orbit. Uh, and it's just a wild experience seeing the style of avant-garde pushing the bleeding edge comedy at that time, you know, which which feels um, almost quaint now, you know? It was, it was really cool. I enjoyed watching. Cool. 30 Rock and the Larry Sanders show. Did you watch any other movies that have come out because jeff here's the thing that you're not saying you usually get access to movies that are in theaters right now in those things i just i'm not i'm not interested in watching a two-hour movie on a flight i'm just yeah that's fair that's i i I, like i said most of the time i spent well the flight there i was a red eye so i slept most of the time Mm -hmm. and the flight Mm -hmm. home i was entertaining i just read my book I, i i've gotten really back into reading dlc book club available at youtube.com slash kanata jeff um if you want to join the book club uh, but I, yeah, I read my book and uh, and I just wanted to watch some light, kind of easy yeah. fare. I didn't want to get into something big and long and heavy. I totally get it. Well, speaking of things that are big and long and heavy, I had a chance to watch wow the Christopher Nolan IMAX Film Festival that took place You're at the Pacific. You're talking about IMAX cameras, mm-hmm. not not Christopher Nolan's. Uh, y- yeah, yeah, Christopher's Nolan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I went to Christopher Nolan's IMAX Film Festival, which took place at the Pacific Science Center this week. Uh, and they're playing a bunch of Christopher Nolan movies. Not all of them. Uh, specifically, they're playing Dark Knight, Interstellar, Tenet, mm-hmm. and Inception. This, this is a really presumptuous name for, for showing a handful of movies. <laughs> the film festival? Well, it wasn't advertised particularly well either. I I had to yeah. hear about it from uh, some one of my followers on Instagram. I think Mike is the guy who messaged me about this. A huge thank you to Mike. I went to go see two movies, mm-hmm. uh, The Dark Knight and Tenet. Nice. I was really happy. I wanted to see more. We didn't get a chance to see more. You know, I would have liked to see potentially Inception, potentially Interstellar, but... I was really happy I got to see The Dark Knight again. And let me just start by saying, if you have the chance to see The Dark Knight mm-hmm. in true IMAX, go see it. Like, do it, not it is, turn yeah. down the opportunity to yeah. go see it. it that is opening worth, sequence alone is just like, man, why don't all movies look like this? It is worth yeah. traveling for. It is worth breaking an appointment for. It is worth seeing it. Uh, and, and I think, you know, when I first saw this movie 15 years ago, uh, the first summer we had the film cast when we reviewed uh, the mm-hmm. Dark Knight. Uh, I, I think like IMAX had not yet dramatically diluted their brand with this whole LIMAX that's still right, around right. the country. I think in the United States, there's only probably between one and two dozen theaters that have mm-hmm. true IMAX, screen. which is to yeah. say an aspect ratio of 1.43 to one. Right, that is that is true yeah. IMAX aspect ratio, and also giant, a screen that makes you an ant. It is. Yeah. Four to five stories tall, that screen. It is incredible to see. I and, and you know, it reminded me, I had not seen a movie at all in true IMAX since pre-COVID. So this wow. is the first yeah, yeah. true IMAX movie that I'd seen. And I, I, I want to start by saying uh, I saw the Oppenheimer trailer, and the Oppenheimer trailer plays in true IMAX. Oof. And I was like, holy shit. You know, I'd seen the Oppenheimer trailer in a regular theater, and I was like, okay, that looks fine. Seeing it in True IMAX, I'm like, I got to see this in True IMAX. Like, mm-hmm. I have to come back and figure out a way to see Oppenheimer. I have to see IMAX. these people in hats five stories tall. That's right. Absolutely yeah. correct. Absolutely correct. My uh, wife was with me when we watched uh, Tenet, and a trailer for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 came on. Man. And even though it was not in True IMAX, she's still like, okay, we have to come back here to watch Mission Impossible <laughs> Dead Reckoning because she has seen that trailer like 15 times. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the times when it actually excited her was like seeing it in an IMAX theater. It really does make a big difference to see it in IMAX. Um, so the dark Knight, uh, famously, you know, we reviewed that movie with Kevin Smith here on the film cast and I had some issues with it. And here's the thing. 15 years later, I still have issues with it. <laughs> um, I think, uh, the pacing is really, uh, off. Like a lot of times, there's no buildup to any of the big sequences that happen in the movie. You're just like in the sequence all of a sudden. Um, obviously, few people in the movie talk like they're actual normal humans. And I think the ending is very, very rushed with the dual fairy face-off and the commentary on civil liberties. And it's okay if you uh, it's okay if you use a surveillance apparatus once, Batman. Just make sure you blow it up afterwards, okay? Um, all that stuff is still true, in my opinion. But... I am. It's now 15 years later than when I talked about that movie last, and I just don't give as much of a crap about any of that stuff anymore. You know what finally, I mean? Finally, like, <laughs> finally, this is what we've been saying. Here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing: is since that movie came out, it has proven to be one of the most culturally relevant films of all time. Mm-hmm. Like 
the 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 Joker, the depiction of the Joker, Heath Ledger is amazing in it. Depiction of Batman, um, just the set pieces, like all of these things are indelibly burned into our society's memory. Like we we all have this language to converse with that is because of this movie. Uh, every one of the set pieces is still amazing. I went after I watched the Dark Knight in theaters. I went back and rewatched the Dark Knight special features on the uh, you know iTunes extras and on Blu-ray. And uh, there's two big sequences, like the the truck flip and uh, the hospital explosion, where it's just like mm-hmm. if it was done today, or if it was done back then by someone who wasn't Christopher Nolan. They would have tried to figure out a way to do it with visual effects, right? Sure. I mean, but Chris, Fast and Furious Nine did a bigger truck flip, but that was definitely not practical, right? That was like, and, yeah. And you can just and Christopher Nolan is right. Even today, with all the visual trickery we have, you can still, as the audience member, feel the difference when they do yeah. it in real life versus, or they do it practically. Uh, I bet that, when that they do truck it in, flip yeah. also like fills the tallness of the frame too. Yes. It's just oh. like you. It's, it's beautiful. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And and yes, the, I want. I want to be, be clear. There were visual effects used in the movie, right? Like there were visual effects used in that shot because there was a huge piston that fired at the bottom of the truck and and put it up into the sky, and they had to take that piston out with digital effects. So I'm not saying there's no visuals, but like fundamentally, you can tell like a real thing actually happened here. Mm-hmm. You know. Even if it's not Gra- exactly... gravity affected this object, yeah, in, in, in this very yeah. specific way, uh, and and I love that. And just thinking about also, there's a scene where Heath Ledger walks out of a hospital, and it's like the hospital starts blowing up. He walks out, he pauses for a moment. His like detonator is not working correctly. He like hits it a few times, and then the rest of the hospital blows up. And uh, they were talking about how they rehearsed that scene a dozen times that day because you only have one try you can only blow up the hospital once right and i just can't I just, imagining it just stresses me out you know because it's like can you imagine everyone needs to be on their game all the extras all the lighting all the crew the people who are detonating if they mess it up it's like that's their one try and you can you can feel that energy the blood in the work as um my colleague Stephen tobolowsky would call it like the blood in the work that there's just like high stakes for all the stuff here uh so it's an incredible IMAX experience. And yes, I still have problems with the way the movie is constructed, but like I, I, I wrote about it on Letterboxd. It's like criticizing the Beatles, the white album, you know, it's like, who gives a crap what you think about it? It doesn't matter. Like it's, it's one of the greatest cinematic works of all time. Uh, it's something that helped to define, uh, helped, helped to establish that superhero films could make money, big money at the theaters. Uh, so I had an amazing time, would highly recommend it. Nice. Um, Tenant, not a very good movie. <laughs> Just gonna put that out there. <laughs> Especially compared to The Dark Knight. It is, there's a lot of like, people speak even less like humans uh, in Tenet than they do in The Dark Knight. Uh, there's like a good hour of the movie where it's just people speaking gibberish at each other in fancy yeah. restaurants. All the things um, that annoy you about The Dark Knight d- kind of amplified, condensed. Right. But, yeah. but uh, gotta say, this is my first time watching the movie Tenet in true IMAX. Mm-hmm. And it like is the, yeah. the final sequence is, is incredible. Like mm-hmm. the whole battle with the building blowing up in two different directions of time. It's all, there's some really great stuff in the movie. I, I just um, want to hear the boat scene. Like the, the sure, the pure, like Christopher Nolan trolling us about inaudible dialogue, mm-hmm. setting a dialogue scene <laughs> on a in camera, a, in a yeah. camera <laughs> where everything's so loud, like they're speaking into microphones to each other yeah. or something like it's hilarious. Yeah. It is not a great movie. 
no regrets watching it in IMAX because it, 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 it like some of the establishing shots are amazing in this in the movie. <laughs> uh, not a good enough reason to watch the movie, but it's still like, hey, this is a, a big accomplishment in IMAX. So anyway, uh, I, I am just bummed. Like I think when when I watched The Dark Knight back then, I didn't think to myself, oh, this is going to decline over time. Like mm-hmm. like the ability of people to enjoy true IMAX will just go down over time. Like that's not a thought I had. When I watched The Dark Knight, I, I probably was thinking the opposite. I was like, oh my gosh, once people realize how incredible this is as an experience, surely we'll have many more true IMAX theaters around the country. The opposite has happened, basically. Um, yeah. You know, like there, there, we have to talk more about that. But you know how hard it is to build anything? <laughs> yeah. Building a true IMAX yeah. screen is insanity. Yeah. So that's, I, I don't, I'm annoyed that there's a lot more IMAX screens out there. They're also still pretty okay. They're they're better than the normal screens. Like, I can live with that Correct. because I think and they have no, a slightly yeah. wider, like taller aspect ratio yes. than a normal yeah. movie. Yeah, sit, but, sit but, up close, people. That's yeah. that's the way. That's the way well, to the, go. The thing is that most people think that's what IMAX is. I yeah. know. It's yeah, a, yeah. I wish they had called it something else, Jeff. You know, I wish they had yeah. said like, "Hey, we're gonna. It's gonna be like IMAX Plus. Like we're gonna rename original IMAX IMAX Plus, and now this is just IMAX. You know, like or yeah. they had some different name of it because now it's just really freaking confusing." basically mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. like my yeah. understanding is any part of a of, of a description a name it... <laughs> fucked up that joke <laughs> <laughs> the most important part is the max is what i wanted to say mm-hmm. just take mm-hmm. the max out because that's the most important part he said too late yeah uh all of this said i am gonna really endeavor to watch oppenheimer and true imax because i think there is mm-hmm. true imax like i think you know the the trailer i saw was 100 percent true imax and so, or, or like 90% true IMAX. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I'm really curious how it's going to turn out. So anyway, uh, Christopher Nolan IMAX Film Festival uh, at Pacific Science Center in Seattle. I, I, anytime there's a festival like this, I want to support it. And I think you should too, because we got to keep the dream of true IMAX alive. Uh, Devendra, hit us up with something else you've been watching. Uh, I just want to shout out a movie I talked about during Sundance. Polite Society is in theaters now in the U.S. and you should probably check it out. It's pretty cool. This is Nita Manzur's movie about a teenage girl who wants to become a stunt woman, and it's filled with actual like big wirework fights. And I, I would describe it like Scott Pilgrim meets Bendit like Beckham. It is a great coming of age movie. It's a great movie about like the Pakistani you know British experience. It's a lot of fun. It's just really funny. So check it out. It's in theaters. And I think it pro- could probably use your help. It could use your help. It could use your yeah. help. Our current plan is to discuss Polite Society on our After Dark next week. So All right. look forward to that at patreon.com slash film podcast. I'm going to mention one last thing before we move on to weekly plugs. And that is I went back and finished Picard season three. Uh, and... Here's the thing about Picard season three. I still don't think it's very good, but it is very good fan service. And you see this in the poster. They get the whole crew back together again. They get the whole crew back together again. And this is something that people have been wanting to see for decades. And they, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like there were moments where it got pretty dusty when I was watching the the last two episodes of the show. Um, I don't, again, I think, it is not old school Star Trek The Next Generation. It th- doesn't have any of the cool, interesting ideas from that show. But it is a better send-off for these characters than Star Trek Nemesis was, which was a pretty bad movie. 
So, Jeff Kanata, I don't know if any of that impacts your opinion on whether you're going to start it, but, you know, like there, it, it's like, hey, this is a decent conclusion or reconclusion for these characters. It, it strains to get this. So the way it gets them all together is really, you know, eh, like not great in my opinion. Um, but when they are together and you're watching them interact, it's like, oh, that's that's some good fan service. It, you know, it, you know what? It, um, what I would say, it's kind of like if Rise of Skywalker was good. That's kind of what I would. <laughs> that's kind of what I would say. It's that's like, hard to imagine, though. It does. It, it like, but it's like doing the same thing that Rise of Skywalker does. Like, remember this? Remember this? Thing? You know, like. Yeah. But but that movie wasn't very good. It's like, okay, what if we did a really fan servicey thing, but it was actually like fairly decently executed, but it's still fan servicey, navel gazy, smelling its own farts kind of thing, you know? Yeah. That's what Picard season three is. So, I, uh, that was one of the things that was loaded onto my iPad, but uh, mm, I did not, mm. not have a chance to start. I, I intend to watch it. Eh, things have been uh, a little crazy in my life, uh, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of things on the plate. I definitely am going to get to Picard season three at some point. Okay, well, looking forward to hearing what your thoughts are. Uh, not not a thing I'm going to recommend as good, but a thing that I'm going to say, if you want to see the crew back together and, and get that old nostalgic feeling, it is a, an effective delivery mechanism for that emotion. The you know? pure volume of yes. messages I have received saying, ignore Dave Chen, which is always my favorite message. Yeah, and, and I'm here to tell you all those people are full of shit. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm mm-hmm. the one who is right. They are wrong. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> I guess I'll have to decide for myself. Let's get to weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. Weekly plugs are part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. Uh, I want to plug Decoding TV, the podcast. Uh, on that feed, I launched a new podcast called This Week in Streaming, uh, where we're talking about recent releases. Dead Ringer is the show we talked about last week. Um, this week, we'll be talking about Miss Davis. Check it out at podcast.decodingtv.com. Living your hardware. Give us your weekly plug. Sure. On this episode of the Engadget Podcast, I just want to shout that out. We talked about the Asus ROG Ally, which is their cool new Steam Deck competitor. My colleague Sam Rutherford had a chance to play with it a bit. It seems very cool, probably pretty expensive. I don't think we have final pricing yet. And uh, he also played a bit of uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. We're all waiting for that, but uh, he's pretty positive on it, uh, as you'd expect. Rumors of that ROG Ally is uh, 700 bucks. That's the rumor. Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I paid close to that for the Steam Deck, and this seems much more powerful. So, good system, yeah. Yeah, and apparently runs full-fat Windows as well. Full-fat Windows means you can play, you know, you can play uh, Xbox Game Pass games on it. You can play... Call of Duty, Yeah, GOG, whatever you want. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested in in that as well. We'll see. uh, It's going to be coming out later this month, I believe. But check check out the conversation at the Engadget Podcast. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. It's been a minute since I mentioned the fact that I will craft for you... Your own limerick at cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. I will make it handcrafted to your specifications for any occasion. Hey, we got Mother's Day coming up. What better way, but what better way to <laughs> convey to the mothers in your life how much you care for them than with a personally crafted, hand-delivered video of me delivering the, uh, the limerick right to the mother? 
in your life. Cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. Check out the over 100 five-star reviews I've received uh, there. Uh, I'm pr- quite proud of it. So check it out. Cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. I always want to plug patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh, I put a note in the Slack filmcast today about how uh, the media industry is having a really difficult time in 2023. And we are extremely grateful to all the folks at patreon.com slash film podcast. It's because of you folks that we are able to keep this podcast a going concern. Go to patreon.com slash film podcast to sign up for ad free episodes and exclusive after darks. Recently, we've been covering, uh, the Evil Dead series, huge fun to go through that whole franchise over at patreon.com slash film podcast. Next week, we'll be covering Polite Society. Who knows what else we might be covering throughout the summer. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. Huge thanks to all of our patrons. And check it out at patreon.com slash film podcast. Of course, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you any financial hardship whatsoever. Uh, and we understand times are tough out there. So definitely take care of yours uh, primarily and first, always. Uh, you can always support us for free. Leave a podcast review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, or just share about the podcast on social media. Um, we post our clips over at Instagram.com slash at the filmcast pod, um, on TikTok at the filmcast. And uh, if you share our clips, it helps people hear about us. We'd really appreciate it if you do that. Okay. That's it for weekly plugs. Let us get to our review of Sisu. Boys, get down on your knees. <laughs> Fuck him up. <laughs> we got gold. Welcome to the film cast review of Sisu. I'm going to read the plot summary of this movie from IMDb. When an ex-soldier who discovers gold in the Lapland wilderness tries to take the loot into the city, Nazi soldiers, led by a brutal SS officer, battle him. This movie is written and directed by Jalmari Helander. And it came out in theaters this week. Very crowded box office this week. A lot of good, Mm -hmm. cool movies out in theaters. Uh, It did score in the top 10, but not much higher than that. Uh, That said, it had some of the most interesting trailers uh, for a movie this year, I would argue. And also, as of this moment, as we're recording this right now, currently has a 94% in Rotten Tomatoes. We've seen a lot of anti-Nazi art in our lifetime. And uh, probably the the person whose work this most closely resembles and is paying homage to is Quentin Tarantino with Inglorious Bastards. So my question for you, Devinder Hardwar, is do you think this movie, Sisu, has anything to add to this genre of movie? Uh, sure. It, uh, it kills Nazis real good. I think that is, that's all I need. Yeah. That's all I need. I feel like some people need to be reminded to kill the bad guys. We fought a whole war about this. Lots of people died because of this and, uh, they should always be framed as such. And I think this movie, this movie is a ton of fun. Uh, even though it's about like, yeah, sheer brutality. Um, this movie is really being marketed as sort of like John Wick in like world war ii era right with a tough uh, grizzled soldier going up against nazis but it also reminds me a lot of mad max like there is a lot going on mm. here just like a guy who has been wronged a very simple premise um reminds me of the good the bad and the ugly too like there's a nice western setup in the way it is uh, cut up into different chapters it's a very like quiet and deliberate movie until it explodes with violence uh, also 
starring a lead character who pretty much says nothing until at a certain point, very much like John Wick four. Um, I think this movie is just like simple, simple base fun. I actually got to see this with my folks this weekend because like uh, easy pitch, easy pitch for a movie take for my dad. Take the whole family. Take the whole take the family, family to see Sue. That's It's a family friendly adventure. <clears throat> but I grew up you know? watching, you know, really, really fun action movies with my dad and with my mom and mostly, you know, for my dad because uh, she's always there. Um, but I saw Mad Max way too young. That was like one of the formative movies for me. And this is very much in that vein. Just like really really nice simple setup a guy finds gold the nazis want to take it and he's a tough guy who can kick some butt and that's really all i need and this movie is filled with inventive kills great set pieces a lot of like character work through action too which i also really enjoy especially when you have a protagonist that doesn't talk basically grunts and like uh you tell you learn about him because of the things he does and how he interacts with things but also you see this in the villains of this movie too like i think there's an introduction to like the the big bad ss officer and we see just like a a, a caravan of uh of people you know of nazi soldiers like going down the road and you introduce this guy just sitting basically above the 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 big cannon of a tank like in between his legs and just like just chilling just chilling. I think that actor, uh, I didn't look up his name specifically, but I think he does a really good job as the big bad SS villain. Um, I think everybody is like, they're all very distinctive, even though it's filled with, you know, there, there's, this is not a movie where there's a lot of diversity, but everybody has like very specific looks and you could tell who they are, uh, especially on the villain side. I, I just like so much of it. Like th- this feels like silent filmmaking at times too. Um, even though like there's a really fun score and really great sound effects and everything. This is just like nice, clean action told really well. And as like a post uh, John Wick type of thing, I'm still very much into it. We've seen so many of these things too. Like um, we reviewed nobody. There's, there are a lot of these movies where it's like, I listen, I like you. I know you probably did a couple of months of training to, to look <laughs> believable in this movie. Okay, fine. Sure. Sure. I will buy you that Saul Goodman can, can kick butt on a bus. Right. Whereas this movie is like, Oh no, this guy, I don't, I don't know the extent of training, but like he delivers, he, he uh, like, I believe that he can mow down an entire army of Nazis. And I just think that's uh it's, it's praiseworthy. So yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm glad it's getting good reviews. And this is one of those things that's going to like really kick ass on, uh, on home video. Like people are going to see this and want to rewatch it over and over. Jeff Kanata. What do you think about Sisu? Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I think about Sisu is best summed up in the form of a limerick. This film is in hardcore mode. It's fun. But its fun seems a bit borrowed. From John Wick and we know there's some Tarantino and a big dose of Fury Road. Wow, Devendra really stole the thunder out of that one, huh? It happens a lot, Dave. It happens a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I sit here and I go, I spent hours. And he just just tweeted it out. He just tweeted it out. He just tweeted it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, no, basically what Devendra said, I, you know, <laughs> I, I also had a good time with this movie. I think it's preposterous on a number of levels, right? Yeah. It's, it, there are sequels. I'm excited to call out in the spoiler section 
some really inventive moments mm-hmm. that yeah. I've never seen before. Yeah. Th- this that, is Wolfenstein level logic, you know, which is fine. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. There are a number of moments where, uh, where, you know, I'm like, oh, that was a cool idea. There are a couple of other moments where I go, that's just not, <laughs> you, you, you went a step too far on yeah. the credulity yeah. meter. Yeah. Um, but it's a cartoon, right? This is yeah. a, this is a action cartoon. It is over the top on every on every conceivable level and you know our our hero's superpower is that he will endure more punishment than you will and in that sense you know it's fun like the, it delivers exactly what it sets out to deliver which is that kind of rollicking uh visceral good time of you know slicing and dicing some nazis an old dude who everybody underestimates just wants to get it, just wants to get his little thing, just wants to do it. And everybody's standing in his way. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had a good time with this movie. I don't think it is, you know, Inglorious Bastards level. It certainly feels like a mix between Inglorious Bastards and John Wick and Fury Road to me. Uh, Fury Road, in that we've got, you know, a caravan that we need to take down that has some ladies in it. <laughs> and uh, we've got, you know, very much uh, Inglorious Bastards, very much John Wick, this uh, silent protagonist. Um, and if you like those movies, I think you're going to have a good time with this movie. Uh, I think it's well, well worth seeking out. It doesn't overstay its welcome. And there are enough really cool sequences that I thought, oh, that was, I've never seen that before. I've never even seen that idea before. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. cool. And there's a few more sequences where I was like, I don't buy it, but I'm still having a good good enough time that I'm not going to really hold it against this sure. movie. Well, one thing I want to make clear, uh, Tarantino does not own the genre of Nazi exploitation movies. That existed long before Glorious Bastards. I think this actually feels more like the old stuff, like the stuff um, I saw some stuff in VHS from like the 60s and 70s. So it's like it is that sort of thing. But Tarantino certainly like reminded us of what's possible with it. Sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Jeff, true. Was, he, he... was there a butt coming or was that was that it? I didn't know if you're going to say but. No, no, no. I think I, 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 I wholeheartedly recommend this for folks that are looking for exactly this kind of experience, because I think it, as Devendra said, it, it delivers on its promise. And if it's, it's promises, Hey, do you want to watch some really cool action sequences with a, you know, an unlikely protagonist doing uh, over the top crazy stuff? I think it's fun. Um, But you know, it's, it's not going to be in my end of the year list or anything like that. All right, let, let me let me try to put together a theorem right now that is probably not true at all, but I'm sure. going to give it a shot anyway, okay? You guys, I, by how strongly you negatively react to this, I'll, I can decide how true this is, but um, the length of a chapter in a movie or a book is often directly proportional to how much gravitas and seriousness that book should be treated with. What I mean by that is... Uh, or it's inversely proportional to like how pulpy and disposable it is, you know? Okay. Like the longer the chapter, the more substantial it feels. I you're remember not talking like about chapter within the movie. Or you're talking about like a single movie. Yeah. Chapters within a movie chapter or, movie. um, or chapters within a book, right? You're uh-huh. saying more um, words equals more seriousness. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely what I'm saying. Um, because I remember, you know, hearing about when the Da Vinci code came out, it was like, oh, one of the great things about that book is like the chapters are so short. You can like read, you can read like three no. to four pages and complete a chapter. And That's feel like uh, got the a Dan lot Brown done. method. Yeah. It is effective, but it's very much like he he yeah he relies on that game. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's ridiculous yes that's, that's completely fair uh, you know it was the great um, gatsby's like 200 pages total yeah you know? yeah 
uh, you're you're right. It's it's a terrible it's a terrible <laughs> theorem. And uh, I remember let's reading call, the let's, da call Vinci code. Bluff's, let's call it Bluff's theorem. I don't want to be associated <laughs> with it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it. I did think about that idea because the chapters in this movie are really short. Like we've just usually a movie has like three chapters or four or five chapters tops, and it's like chapter one the the heist and it's like goes for like 40 minutes chapter two the aftermath you know whatever this is like chapter one the gold and then literally 10 minutes later it's another chapter and i'm like wait i was just settling into that chapter is it in- I- oh okay <laughs> it yeah. seems like a weird knit to pick but yes, I, I'll, yes. I'll i'll grant you it's not even like it's not even a knit it's just more like i think the fact that there like is there something to the fact that there's so many chapters in this movie that and also it's also a cartoon as jeff cannot put it you know like i um, okay maybe not okay i've spent too much time on this i, I will say <laughs> i enjoyed uh i enjoyed the movie i think it like delivers on what it promises you watch the trailer you, you're like this is that kind of movie and then the, you watch the movie and it completely mm-hmm. delivers on what you are hoping for and expecting yeah good action that's all i want so, so, solid action, action solid ideas we'll talk about them in spoilers um the thing that i didn't like about the movie or i, I in, in some ways wished it had been a different movie in some ways uh, is I, I wondered what a more serious version of this movie would have looked like because the opening f- 10 to 15 minutes of the movie feels a lot like there will be blood. Paul Thomas yes. Anderson's there will be blood. Like it's very like it's this one guy in the middle of nowhere trying to find stuff underground. That's valuable. It feels very gritty. There's this beautiful shot of this guy. He like stands up and you see all these like planes fly overhead and people like migrate, mm-hmm. like the forces migrate. It's just like, there's some incredible stuff here. And yeah. I thought the movie was going to be that. Like I thought it was going to be, here's did like a very. Did you not see the trailers before this? I forget, where, where did you I, come I in? I did, but you, you okay. could still, you know, you could still, the movie could still be that, you know, in some ways, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I, I and, would say go back and watch some classic Westerns, guys. Like it, it is full of the same thing, like slow drawn out the opening of the good, bad and the ugly. It's like slow, drawn out scenes, and then it builds up to like well, crazy ass action. Yeah, the good, no, bad, and the ugly never gets as goofy as this. Yeah, movie that's the thing. This movie gets different. really, yeah. really goofy. That's yes. the thing. Yes, and it's like, oh, like I wonder how, like, it, it, everything about it feels like it's calibrated to make you feel like it's an exploitation movie. Yeah, and that's fine, you know. But it's kind of like, okay, I I feel no confidence at all about my think point about short chapters. Okay. That was a silly point. I retract that. Here's a point I feel more strongly about. It's like the difference between Quinn Tarantino's Planet Terror versus Death, like, or sorry, uh, Death Proof versus Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror. You know, like one of those movies felt like it was actually from that time period, and the other one feels like it was made by someone who watched trailers for movies of that time period. You know, <laughs> like Planet Planet Terror being like the latter. Like it's like, oh, this is fun, goofy, and campy, but like Death Proof actually felt like, oh, like a bunch of people got together and made this for like almost no money and put actual right, right. lives in danger, you know, like, and I, I enjoy that kind of thing more, or like at this point in my life, I enjoy the kind of death proof more. Maybe at a different point in my life, it would have been planet Terror. but everything about this movie makes it feel like it, it knows it's an exploitation movie, including the score. It's like down, down, you know, it's like very guitar heavy. And I'm just like, I just kind of, I, at times I'm like, I think, I would enjoy this more if there was no score here. Like I would enjoy this more if it was uh-huh. just not as self-conscious about what it is. That's me personally. Um, but overall, I still had a good time with the movie. I just kind of was like the first 10 minutes set up this movie that was very intriguing to me. And then the rest of the movie is still very fun, but it's something else. 
And it's not That's, kind of what I was hoping for and expecting for the I first know. 10 minutes. Like, again, so, yeah. like a lot of exploitation movies do start out this way. Like you have to have the buildup to get the catharsis of the violence and everything that comes after it. So I, I see what you're saying, Dave. Like you, you probably thought you were getting into something else, but I, I think they're one and the same. Like, I, I don't think this is very much more of the death proof style thing because yeah, it gets a little, you know, kind of zany. I think, I do think Planet Terror becomes more of a cartoon and it's like a little more nonsensical. That's what I'm saying. It, this yeah. is this is the planet this is like Planet Terror as opposed to Death Proof, yeah. which is like, in my opinion, way more grounded um than what Planet okay. Terror was trying well, to do. Yep. Sure. So would you put I mean, would you put Inglorious ba- Bastards in the category of what you were hoping this was? I think where they literally kill you know, Inglorious Bastards yeah. is its own th- it's like it's like a sprawling epic. Like I don't even yeah. like this mm-hmm. this movie takes place in a similar time period and has Nazis being killed and has kind of the same font and score style of what he was doing there. But other than like aesthetically, like it feels very different as a movie to me, you know? Sure. Um, so anyway, uh, but yeah, still a fan, still agree with a lot of what you guys said. Uh, mm-hmm. We should probably start talking about some of the stuff that we liked about this sure. movie in specific. Yeah. So let's get to spoilers for Sisu starting right now. I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth! Inconceivable! I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. So, Jeff, what are some of the specific things you thought were particularly ingenious about My Sisu? favorite sequence in the whole movie is the water sequence mm-hmm. where he gets the mm. Nazis to come in. He He's able to stay underwater because he slices open their throat and breathes the yes. air that's in their lungs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. That was Incredible. That's Rambo, Rambo shit. Right there. Uh, that yeah. is yeah. some baller-ass Rambo shit. Um, I mean, and it's it's ridiculous, but it's... The 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 notion is so audacious that you go yes movie do it mm-hmm. and I I love I love the the pacing of that sequence where he's just out he just jumps in the water first of all sets himself on fire for no reason to scare the dog away I guess but <laughs> a terrible way to handle that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yeah uh, and then leaps in the water and and I love how everything just kind of stops and they're like well this dude's gonna have to come up eventually mm-hmm. get in the boat go get him. And then the movie just, does take its time, like when it has to. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a lot of waiting. I mean, immediately after that is one of the most preposterous moments where I was like, the fifty caliber <laughs> gun on, that's mounted on the on the top of this tank is going to be stopped by a piece of tin that you're holding. Or no, no, it was a body. It was a body, was a body. that he had. Was was, body, the yeah. body is going to protect him from the fifty cal, which is. <laughs> insane that he would would even suggest (laughs) that movie and then that other moment where he like he gets them to shoot at him and he's holding that shield but it's like yeah he's he's not shielding his whole body well shoot him in those ankles some bullets from his like legs yeah that's fascinating because the thing that quote-unquote bothered me the most was when he is hung or hanged i should say Mm -hmm. yeah and I, I was thinking to myself, wow, I'm really curious how they're gonna get out of (laughs) this this situation how's he gonna get out of this one and it turns out he wasn't dead, and he's just holding his breath, and then he eventually is able to prop himself up. That's pretty baller, using though. his skin. like the, the the actual way. No, I I think up. they yeah. are classic movie villains where mm-hmm. they just leave, mm-hmm. and he's they know he's not dead yet. He's dead. What's what's gonna happen? Is he he's gonna, gonna strangle? Over? You know, he's, yeah. he's slowly the life will leave him. 
like any good Bond villain. Well, I'll yeah. leave the room now. Bye, Mr. Bond. But, I like that sequence, by the way, where the one soldier takes off his hat and then they're like, yeah, that was <laughs> okay, funny. Well, yeah, that, we'll all take off our hat. Let's pay our respects. He's a yeah, human being after all. That was nice. Put your hat but on I like yeah. the note. Like, it's so effed up that the, uh, the fact that he just finds a way to take the weight off his neck yeah, yeah. by using the wound in his leg and... to support himself. Yeah. And his, yeah. his end game is, I'm just going to wait and something's bound to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's coming up CC. Like a plane, a plane, you know, flies by and like shakes the beam that yeah. he's on, you know, like it's, it's, it's preposterous. Yeah. That, whole, that yeah. whole moment is, is, you know, you just got to go. Okay. But there's nothing badass about what he does other than he's like, I will use the wound in my leg. Yeah. He to healed hold myself for a while. Up. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, the, I mean, the other coolest moment in the movie to me was um, he just lets that dude smack him in the face with the with, with the uh, the clip, the mm -hmm. uh, what's it, carabiner, and mm -hmm. then snacks, snaps it to the bomb. And the guy's like, Wah! I thought that was pretty killer. Uh, mm -hmm. Pretty mm -hmm. cool. But 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 again, Followed up by another preposterous sequence where he's just like mining the bottom of the plane. You know, like there's no universe where you're going to be hitting that enough times to get pop through the plane. Mm -hmm. Anyway, mm -hmm. well, they didn't, they didn't make planes the same way back then, Jeff. You know, yeah. so you, you know, you're so right. Yeah. yeah, I I actually again in in the early parts of the movie, I still thought, hey, this might be like a fairly grounded story. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, grounded in the same way that I would say, like, John Wick is grounded. Like, I think this movie is more cartoony than John Wick, personally. Like, I oh, think it is far more cartoony. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it, yeah, this movie is is completely detached from physics. Right. I mean, the early scenes when the, the Nazis first confront him, he, like, he takes down those five guys, and then he uses, like, a mine to... To disorient them, he that was, was able like to very dig it cool. out, dig it out yeah. carefully, and throw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th that's still all like awesome stuff. I like. like I, still, I mean, before yeah. that, even the when he's just like, "I'll ride by these guys, not knowing I'm riding into a minefield," and then the <laughs> horse blows up. I was like, "That was pretty cool. <laughs> Never yeah. seen that before." And so at that point, I'm still like, "Oh, this is like relatively grounded." And then you know, once the I, water starts, stuff mm -hmm. starts, uh, water material starts, and then like the hanging. I was just like, "Okay, like I can't." You know, this is just beyond. Any yeah, there's level. no, there's no yeah. real rules that are related to exactly the world. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. but it's yeah. still fun. I mean, I think I think the movie sets its tone pretty clearly when he throws, uh, was it the guy's hat or something uh, that splits the guy right down the middle? The first major action, yeah, yeah. Action, action sequence when it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I see what you're doing. This is a movie where heads get, you know, uh, broken open, bodies get exploded on mines, and that is your tone. And I think it kind of rolls with it. I all the slower elements throughout, like him walking through the caravan and just like not not even like reacting, not even giving a shit. Everyone's just looking at this guy. It's like, is he yeah. is he not gonna say hello? Does he not see we are the Nazis? Be afraid, man. And they're all like <laughs> looking at him like incredulously. And um, I think all these things like really, really add up. And you meet all these characters for the first time, and it's all really well done. Like you see, oh, that that guy, the subordinate guy, is kind of like the the one who's kind of the the biggest asshole of the bunch and you see the leader there and he's just like he's the one who calls him off and tells him not to kill him he's gonna die anyway there's a sort of like weird nobility about him that's just kind of fascinating too so yeah yeah i want to give a shout out to i think mimosa willamo is the main woman that mm -hmm. kind of takes charge towards the end of the movie and uh i think they you know they do a good job as she does a good job as well of 
uh, killing Nazis. And I do agree with you, Devendra. It is sad that we need media to reinforce the idea that Nazis are bad. Like I yeah. remember when I was a kid watching Indiana Jones being like, oh, yes, Nazis were bad. And everyone knows that. And I'm so mm-hmm. glad that Indiana Jones is reinforcing that fact. And um, there's a lot of people today who don't feel that way. And that really sucks, you know? And so every now and then we need a new movie to say, hey, um, this is how we really feel about Nazis. They're one of the few people other than zombies and vampires that we can revel in their being, uh, you know, completely dismantled. Uh, and uh, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it, you know? Um, any other memorable sequences or thoughts on this movie uh, before we wrap up here, folks? Did you guys see any of this director's other movies? He did uh, He did Rare Exports, which was that mm. like Santa Claus type yeah. of thing, like horror thing. And he did that, ga- that movie with uh, the Samuel L. Jackson one plus a kid in the woods movie like a couple of years ago. I, I like this guy. I like how he does action. He makes really fun, yeah. you know, tight action movies. And I can't wait to see more from him. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think I saw um, rare exports. I think we, yeah. we talked about that on the show. Um, and it's another one where it's like super violent, super over the top, but fun. Like it doesn't take itself too seriously at yeah. all. It's, it's there to be a goofy fun time. I got to say, I was really impressed with how good this movie looked in general. It looks like they mm-hmm. actually filmed on location yeah. for a lot of stuff. The underwater stuff they did, it looks like they actually used a water tank. Like they weren't just, they didn't just fake it. It looks like they actually did a lot of it in reality. Um, and even some of the CG looks pretty solid overall. I, I, it's very stylized, but I think it really works for the movie. Um, I was just impressed. You know, it's hard to like haul all these people, film crew out there to the middle of nowhere to film this stuff, but. Um, mm-hmm. nature is really provides really amazing production design and it does look like they filmed out there on location for a lot of the movie yeah and the director um, clearly like has an eye too like i think most shots are framed really well and really interestingly yeah the moment when he walks up he's heading to a town the closest town with the bank i guess and it's just on fire right in the background it's like yeah. okay that's all that's all like you know an effect but it also looks like a gorgeous painting at the same time too and he kind of balances all that and when he enters into the towards the end when he enters the like bombed out town too like it's just really well portrayed and his whole thing with the bank teller at the end it's fun funny i dig it yeah it was weird to me that like that was the ending of the movie you know like is him getting to the bank in that time. was his goal yeah. That's all he wanted yeah he yeah yeah, I, I suppose it's just like him like escaping with the gold, and you can infer that. It's like they got to show him being in the bank. I guess this is a movie that's very pro existing financial system, guys. I mean, don't. <laughs> pro don't, capitalism. I like that's your takeaway. Don't your take show this movie. Pro-bank. Don't show this movie to the blockchain people, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they are they're going to have real problems with it. This okay? movie says invest in gold, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> well, that, that's uh, a whole other set of weirdos. So, yeah, don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but overall, Sisu, fun Nazi killing time. Oh, great video. The other thing I wanted to bring up yep. about this movie is that I love its stance on the dog, which is he does not give a shit about the dog. <laughs> <laughs> he tells the dog to leave at one point. But other than that, he's like... Totally fine leaving the dog behind. Yeah, he like, leaves the dog I, behind several times. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that he's just, you know, in every other movie, like the guy's going to be the, you know, we got to protect the dog above all else. And he's just like, uh, I got shit to do. I can't think about this dog. <laughs> Take care yeah. of yourself, dog. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah, see you at funny. the end. Yeah. Um, you, you know, another thing I also appreciated about this movie is that they, um, they gave like a pretty cool explanation of, why uh, the Germans would also be interested in the gold, not just yep. for like selfish reasons, but then yeah. like, it's like Nazis who know that they're losing the war. 
Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, cool. that's actually not a wide, you know, uh, a perspective we see that often, right? Yeah. We see people like in Valkyrie, like they go up against the movie Valkyrie, the Tom Cruise movie. They go up against Hitler. They're trying to stop Hitler, but like, it's not as often as you see like, Hey, we know we're on the losing side. Let's try to like eke out as much stuff as we can out of this. Um, and I, so I, I like that that was like a fairly like character driven, uh, plausible way for the, that plot line to play out. Um, so yeah. So there's a lot of like nice things about the movie. I, I think there's some, uh, solid some cool stuff. Yeah. Solid. Pretty solid, pretty solid, pretty good time. So, um, well, anyway, at the end of the day, it's really impressive that Jalmari Halander made a movie. And you can find more episodes of this podcast if you enjoyed listening to this at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok at thefilmcast. Find us on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at thefilmcastpod. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Spoiler bumper comes from uh, Noah Ross. Our uh, weekly plugs music also comes from Noah Ross. Our theme song comes from Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Video assistance provided by Kurt Mega and John Barry. Uh, on the After Dark, next week at patreon.com slash film podcast, we're going to be covering Polite Society. So tune in for that. And uh, I think on next week's episode of the podcast, it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Really excited to see what you guys think about this movie. Mm-hmm. I obviously have some strong thoughts. I've already been arguing with Jeff Kanata on text about this one. Um, so I think strong opinions will be had. Uh, it should be a great time. All right. All that being said, I think that's going to bring us to this week's the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. Until next week, Guardians kicking off the summer movie wager. We'll see you later. 